Dylan, I got you on here, man, because I need the rundown. It's Saturday. It's college football Saturday. It's what week? Is it week three, week four? This is actually week four. The start of week four was last night, yes. Okay. Or it Thursday is, night, excuse me, yes. Right. It, it is week four, and there's nobody that knows more about college football than you that I personally know. So can you tell us some games that I need to be looking at, both for betting purposes and just games that are going to be a lot of fun to watch, matches that we need to watch? Yeah, man. So uh, just to start out with, um, you know, I really appreciate you asking me to do this. <laughs> I can really I definitely add to the bad advice and bad gambling, you know, so that's that's really just kind of adding on to, you know, the, the kind of theme we got going along here. So, uh, well, uh, the first uh, slate of games are uh, pretty exciting altogether. I mean, let me last week we talked about how the whole day it seemed like you had a game that just pretty much just caught your eye throughout the day, whether you're just watching it for it to be white noise or you're actually sitting down and, you know, watching the game as a whole. But the first set of games I have, that I'm personally excited about, the first right off the bat is the Notre Dame-Wisconsin game. Like, that game is being played at Soldier Field. That's that's cool. And the big storyline that I really love is that uh, Jack Cone, the starting quarterback for Notre Dame two years ago, but, you know, before COVID and wrecked every bit of our 2020, he was Wisconsin's starting quarterback. Oh, and wow. He had, he had, yeah, he had a tremendous season, man. Like, he had, like, a 70% passing completion. Like, he was – I believe he even, like, led him to a big bowl game. I want to say it was possibly even the Rose Bowl, and they may have even won. But he had – you know, he didn't have, like, a Russell Wilson-type impact on Wisconsin, but he had a – pretty significant play as you know as far as quarterback play within that university and made that team relevant so the fact that um they went with um, an alternative and pretty much backed him in into a corner as far as like you know we're gonna go with this guy we're just not really gonna tell you necessarily you know it forced him to leave so now he's here at notre dame notre dame's undefeated and you can make the argument that he's one of the reasons now i know saying a game-winning touchdown pass over Tulane doesn't necessarily sound sexy, but he did it right after he just dislocated his finger. Wow. Yeah, on his throwing hand. So I don't know if anyone really saw, like, the video or whatnot, but this dude literally dislocated his finger, went over to the head trainer, popped it back in place, and threw a game-winning touchdown pass to beat Tulane to keep them undefeated. Wow. Wow. Okay. I have, I have so many questions and thoughts about that. So this guy essentially was the college version of Baker Mayfield this past Sunday where the man pops his shoulder out. We just pop it back in. He, you know, mm-hmm. throws a couple blocks, makes a couple tackles. Jack Cohen pops his finger out of place. He pops it back in on his throwing hand and proceeds to throw the game winner. Yes. Wow. Okay. This is, I'm already getting excited, man. Uh, I'm also excited about the storyline. So this is essentially kind of a revenge game for him. It's kind of the opposite of what Georgia did with uh, Jake Fromm and Fields. They elected to stick with Fromm to the chagrin of many, many fans here in Georgia. Um, They went on to try and compete for their national title, fell just a bit short. You know, it's kind of one of those uh, shoulda, coulda, woulda, what would have happened if Fields had started. We really don't know. He looked really good in Ohio State, but – you know, I'm already excited with them being 3-0. and I did have some question marks around Notre Dame. Um, the Florida State win, 
I guess you could say it was impressive because it was week one in a hostile environment, I believe, you know, but since then we've kind of seen what Florida state has become, you know, the wheels are starting to fall off of that program. Uh, so, so who do you think, you know, has the advantage in this game? Do you think it's going to be high scoring? You know, what do you think? I don't really think it's going to be necessarily high scoring because Notre Dame's defense has significantly stepped up this year, even after losing their defensive coordinator, who is actually now the head coach of Vanderbilt, who they should enjoy their thrashing by Georgia today. Um, <laughs> that's, that, that, that's right at 11, or I'm sorry, uh, noon your time. So that'll be over pretty quickly. So the, it's it's good that thing. Go ahead and get that out of the way. So no, let me get this clear on record. No upset alert for Georgia today? Uh, if you want to take the betting line, which is Georgia at negative 36, you could um, you could just look at it at Kirby Smart is a um, nice Georgia man. He may eventually pull his starters at halftime, and Vanderbilt may cover at that point. At 36 is really big, like really big. <laughs> And uh, but uh, getting back to Notre Dame and Wisconsin, I'm, that was my fault for getting off track. No, their no, defense no has stepped man. up, and they've definitely done what they need to do to really take care of their business. Now, again, they've—I mean, we're, we're still in, I guess, you know, preseason mode for college. You know, everyone's still playing those those essential tune-up games. You know, kind of get everyone juiced up going. You know, kind of get everyone confident going about how they need to do with them the season, but. You know, they haven't really done so much to really blow the doors off. But I feel like it's just going to be a pretty low-scoring game. I'm still sticking with uh, Notre Dame um, simply because of what we talked about, the revenge factor, the fact that, you know, you're coming in and you're just basically going to show your coach, you're going to show the guy that they even went with, who, Rob, outside that first game they had, which was an impressive win for Wisconsin, he hasn't done much in the um, the red zone specifically. Their last two games, they're one of the worst teams in college football as far as red zone efficiency. And it has been, you know, that's something to kind of like watch this for us too. So that's why I don't really think this is going to be necessarily a high scoring game. It could be if Jack Cohen really just wants to just throw the hammer down and just really give a big, you know, fuck you to the Wisconsin, you know, I mean, he, he could. I mean, if, if I was him, I would. But, you know, then again, you know, no one's really as petty as me. But then again. We can really match that. Petty King. That's your new nickname. Petty, Petty King, King. Petty King. Petty King. I'll, I'll definitely wear that crown with honor and with swag all together. <laughs> the, uh, uh, moving along, the next afternoon game that I'm uh, really excited about again is, uh, and we even talked about a potential upset alert, is Clemson and North Carolina State. Interesting. Now, yes. So ESPN decided to televise this game, which I understand it, Clemson now has a, a brand and they're still technically a top 10 team, but I feel like they, they, they may know something that we don't because the betting line is even a uh, 10 and a half. So they're even kind of just like, okay, you know, Clemson can kind of squeak this out. We'll just see how it goes. But Rob, their offense hasn't looked Clemson. No. It hasn't. And DJ Luka Legalaga, I, I can't say it properly. Uh, it was close, yeah. Aluga Okay. <laughs> okay. Aluga okay. for for everyone who's wondering, you know, is he is he there yet? Is he going to be the next to Sean Watson? You know, what are we looking for here? 
Well, the, the, it's really hard, Rob, when you say it like that. I mean, that's one of the guys that he has to replicate. And the other was just the number one pick in the draft last year, who has essentially been the face of college football, essentially for the last three years. And, you know, man, like that, man, like, <laughs> so yeah. not one, but two, like really great quarterbacks I have to compete with and really just kind of follow and that first game against Georgia is what I'm supposed to do first with it being my team. And man, and it still, even it still hasn't even looked good since then. Their offensive line, I believe they're only starting like two or I believe they're starting like two new freshmen, but they're still kind of gelling and still kind of like, you know, trying to figure everything out. But I mean, when it really comes down to it, if you actually just watch Clemson specifically that Georgia game, I know it's hard to, figure that out because Georgia's defense is spectacular but their offensive like innovation is not really as creative as one would think especially mm -hmm. it being Clemson because you know they're you know essentially wide receiver you quarterback you you know skill position you basically but when you really watch and you really see like specific routes and how it is to really just scheme anyone open specifically in college now that everything's basically a passing league all together there's not really a lot of creativity, not really a lot of uh, not a lot of whole spacing. It's basically, you know, go routes, deep ends, deep slants, you know, kind of middle of the field stuff where people are already when since they're playing Clemson dropping already at least six, you know, so people are kind of at least playing that game with them already. And the last game they just had, they didn't really show any kind of creative side to really adjust. So that's why I think, especially since this game is played in Raleigh. Oh, the wow. Weather is, Rob, the weather is beautiful, baby. It's, bro, it's, it's mid-70s and, and sunny. Like, bro, oh. we are in, dude, yes, we, especially here, man. Like, here in the South, it is fall. It, bro, it, it's football weather. Football season, baby. It is, and it's the mid. It's the two thirty game, so people are already going to have a nice little buzz going. Maybe not too much to fall asleep, but a nice little, nice little, not nice little buzz going. And I feel like everyone's going to be juiced. Everyone's going to be amped, and th that's why I feel like North Carolina State can really pull off the upset today. Okay, I'm going to have to ask you and put you on the spot here, though. You know, I'm a gambling man. I like to give really bad <laughs> advice to people on how to lose. About $50 a weekend. Uh, and if you just bet more money, you'll lose quicker than I do. Mm -hmm. So uh, here's my thing. Clemson is a 10.5-point favorite on the road. Yes. They're both coming in at 2-1. and one. Uh, Clemson, a lot of question marks surrounding them, but still only lost mm -hmm. to a tough Georgia team who I think has a chance to win it all this year with the addition of JT Daniels. But back to Clemson, North Carolina State. It sounds like you know something we don't. It sounds like ESPN knows something we don't. You said this game is nationally televised. Obviously, Clemson, a big brand under Dabo. But, you know, you're saying that the Wolfpack have a chance. Are you saying to take the money line, Dylan, straight up? Or are you saying take the points? I'm saying take the money line. Just, wow. Yeah, I'm saying take it. Because, uh, uh, Rob, think about that this. The over under, The over-under for this is 47 and a half. Mm -hmm. So – even with a 10 and a half point favorite, they're not like ESPN and even like, you know, the time travelers at, at uh, Caesars are not really, they're not expecting this to be really a high scoring game. They're still kind of, a, you know, expecting 
teams to really just kind of, again, figure things out. Hopefully it just kind of works well with some big plays. With Clemson's defense, with Brett Vanderbilt's running the, the whole show, you know, you can always just kind of keep them in games. But North Carolina State has, is not shying away from this challenge. It's not like they've never been in this type of spotlight where they're put in a position to upset a big team. They've done this in previous seasons before. So they're, they're accustomed to, you know, upsets like this, especially in that home crowd in Raleigh. The other games that we really want to take a look at here, Dylan, we've got a huge matchup, a noon matchup. Um, it's a game that could potentially decide the future of one head coach and could really uh, catapult the other team uh, as they look to strengthen their position in the conference. We've got LSU and Mississippi State in Starkville. This is a huge game, big implications. Uh, what are your thoughts on these teams, and who do you like? Well, this may be personally biased, and I feel like that's why you probably opened with that question. And it's, it's going to be uh, – <laughs> uh, thank you. It's uh, LSU. Uh, so I – because when I look at these two teams, Rob, when you just tell me talent-wise, it's it's LSU. I mean, you got the four or five-star recruits. You supposedly have the coordinators, the money, the athletic department, the facilities. You have everything as far as a program and an administrative office. You know, you have everything to beat Mississippi State. But yet there is a dark cloud that roams over that program and it actually started with Mississippi State last year. LSU comes off this badass season. Everyone saw it, man. It's Joe Burrow and crew. It's Ed Orgeron, man. It is badass. It was incredible. It was incredible it, to watch. It was. It was incredible to just, you know, take part and just see every bit of that. Very next year, I understand opt-outs happen. You know, COVID gave you that option to do so. Players rightfully took so, especially the top tier ones that were going to be making their money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, coordinators get better jobs because that shows what they can do. And then other graduate assistants and analysts from said coordinating staff go with them. It's just the nature of college football. It's just it is what it is. So here's LSU, brand new season. Lost all that, lost everything. They're playing Mississippi State and Stanford transfer K.J. Costello and phenomenal man Mike Leach. I mean, again, phenomenal man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and as long as, as long as we've seen the SEC and as long as we've watched the great quarterback play within the SEC, apparently it is nothing compared to how great K.J. Costello was last September playing the defending national champions. Yeah. This man goes on to throw 623 yards, the oh most in the most Rob, the most in sec history. And the sec has been around longer than we've been alive. And it's going to be along around a lot longer, especially now uh, when we're dead. So it's wow. the sec and KJ Costello is now at the top of that most passing mountain staring down at everyone because of Bo Pelini and the LSU defense of last. Wow. And wow. yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was Rob. That wasn't even in Starkville. As you said earlier, this game was in Starkville, Rob, that was at home last year. That was in death Valley. 
That was at LSU. That he is, did that uh, at coming off that season like that and to have that happen. That's not good. Dark, dark cloud. Dark cloud. Dark, dark cloud is here. You know, when you said dark cloud, I, I wasn't sure if I could say this, but I thought you were talking about Kayshawn Butte, uh, who, who is, know, a, is, is an extremely talented uh, man of, of color. I can say that. Uh, I am one as well. He is incredibly talented. When you said dark cloud, I thought you meant Kayshawn Butte was going to come in here and just wreak havoc all over the Mississippi State defense. Well, I'm really hoping for that kind of. I would just call that. Um, I would just call that a hurricane. Since <laughs> we're going to just uh, stay with uh, Louisiana terminology, I mean, yeah. I, that may be a little insensitive right now. Uh, you know, my yeah, thoughts sure, and sure. prayers still go out to you Absolutely. know the Hurricane Ida, you know, <laughs> victims and families. But with as you say, like Keishon Butte, he knows how to get open. He knows how to catch the ball. He's just in kind of like a weird position because he's a sophomore. You know, he doesn't really have, you know, too much of a say. He just, man, he just kind of just puts his head down and just goes and does his job. He can't really do really else too much. I've also got word that uh, Derek Stinley, our tremendous court cornerback, mm-hmm. he's not going to be he's not going to be playing today. Wait, excuse me. Yeah, so Derek Stinley, the top cornerback for LSU, yes. the top, yes, is uh, not playing today. Against okay. a top passing team in Starkville. Now this has to be breaking news. I, I, we're going to call it breaking news because I didn't know about this an hour ago. I definitely didn't know about it 45 minutes ago when I bet the mm. farm on LSU as a mm. uh, road favorite. Understandable. Um, that's a huge. That's a huge turn of events, man. Because you're talking about Stingley. I mean, has to be arguably the number one DB prospect in all the land, extremely talented. And after you just hyped up this quarterback, it does look like they might be able to open it up even more. Well, yeah, why would you not, man? I mean, Mike Leach and, you know, they can they can open it up all together now because they know they're going to be playing, you know, backups. And even – I mean, even the, you know, the backups uh, with Jay Ward and uh, even just a few others, they – they understand that, okay, Derek Stingley, there's draft implications, el- eligibility. There's this new term in football called holding in mm. instead of holding out. <laughs> Doesn't apply in just in the NFL. It applies in college as well, particularly those that, as you said, top prospects. There's, yep. there's that. So I'm not saying that they're not prepared for – not playing with him because that's happened before specifically a lot last year too. So they're, you know, kind of used to this. It's not really like breaking news to them. It's kind of just like, all right, understandable, you know, get your money where you can kind of a deal. That's okay. Wait, and, uh, I've got to stop you. So are you implying that he doesn't have a serious injury? I'm not saying that he has, that he doesn't have a serious injury because this is uh, his foot and he did have a lot of uh, ankle issues last year, mm-hmm. but Mississippi State, if you can already sense that your team's not good, you know, two weeks in, keep in mind they did get their brains beat in opening week <laughs> by UCLA and yeah. a very underrated draft prospect in Zach Cheneau from Michigan. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then, you know, it's then they go play McNeese State next week at Eddie Ogeron's son beat his brains in and then you know they 
they don't really win convincingly too much on offense. It was just the defense. Now, a little fun fact, um, LSU is leading the nation in sacks with 17. Now, that's oh, wow. only – yeah, but they're also uh, middle of the range in defense. So they're getting after the quarterback, but they still give up big plays from time to time. So I feel – and that's with Derek Stingley, but I feel like that will probably change – today <laughs> yeah you know i watched the the week one lsu game uh my family's from louisiana dad mm-hmm. is a diehard lsu fan i can relate uh it's weird because i am too an oklahoma lsu fan you know that dylan you know we ride sooners boomer sooner baby but you know the point is i watched special that week place one is game. louisiana special place yeah it's got it's got a special place in my heart my grandmother's there uh all my uncles are from there it's it's a it's a cool place um but you know, they looked bad. And what I mean by bad was I liked what I saw from them as far as trying to move the ball and do this and do that. But on defense, they were getting gashed for chunk plays. I saw that. It alarmed me. I was waiting to see that they would correct it as the game went on. They didn't. I don't know what to make of their last couple of games. But I do know that I don't think the over is nearly high enough. They've got it at around 55 on some sites. I've seen it at 56 I think this game goes over 60 easy. Um, that's about all I know. I, it's kind of a pick em. It seems like nobody knows who's going to win this game. Is it, you know, the revenge game? Is Eddie O playing for his job and for his future? The seat's got to be starting to warm up a little bit. You know, but I, I like what I saw. Like I said, I think Butte plays on Sundays. You know, when I when I watch these guys, I watch these prospects – I just call it the eye test, man. I'm no, I'm no scout. I'm no recruiter. But when I see a baller, I see a baller. And, and that guy can ball. I think he's got six tutties already. What he did in last season's bowl game was outerworldly. I don't have the stat line in front of me, but I think he had like 200-plus receiving yards and three touchdowns. It's absolutely insane. He's a talent. And Max Johnson, I think he's gotten a lot more flack than is, than is necessarily deserved. Uh, he's actually looked pretty talented to me. I just think the team around him has made a lot of mistakes. I don't see either one of these teams slowing the other one down. I kind of do see a full-on air raid happening in Mississippi State. But, you know, another thing to consider here is that Mississippi State is coming off a controversial loss to a Memphis team on the road. You know, I don't think they're going to be scheduling many more uh, Memphis games on their schedule. <laughs> you know, the teams that do this, first it was Ole Miss. They learned their lesson. We don't want to play them anymore. We've got title aspirations, and they keep ruining it. And now Mississippi State is learning the, the hard way. You don't want to get in a shootout with Memphis. Weird stuff happens. We saw it with the, you know, the touchback, not a touchback. And Mississippi State still managed to almost climb into that game. Now, granted – there was some onside kick stuff going on. They were a reverse onside kick away from actually winning that game and stealing it. But, again, my point is coming off of a loss, playing at home, throughout his career, Mike Leach has been really, really, really good. So you have that. You have the revenge game for LSU. You have LSU with everything to play for. You could potentially argue season on the line early on here. I just, I'm just excited, man. I'm curious to see where it goes, and and you know, and want to know who you're picking. Well, uh, I looked at the line as you were saying, as uh, the updated line, I guess now that, uh, and uh, so they, um, they pretty much moved it uh, from what I'm seeing, you know, from about an hour or 45 minutes ago. What you said, they, I, I did see it about like 54. Or so 
So now it's just been basically moved to 56 and a half. So they, Oh, wow. Yeah. It's literally just been just kind of squeaked. Like just literally just like you, you basically just like kick a can, like just wherever it yep. lands, that's where it lands. Like, just, I mean, I'm still going to ride with LSU. I mean, okay. you have talent, you have some, you have just superior talent than Mississippi state. Now you have a coach where, is basically a great raw rob, you know, fun loving dude, but his actual coaching, like X's and O's, you know, schematics and philosophy, I mean, this isn't the first time stuff like that has been in question with Ed Orgeron. <clears throat> yeah, and he's had it's just that one year they literally just caught lightning in a bottle and just happened to have two head coaches, one the head coach in Baylor and one a soon to be head coach in the NFL and Joe Brady. And he just rolled with it. And right. And then the coordinators that he hired afterwards, you know, like like a Bo Pelini were very questionable and then turned out to be just a horrible decision. Now, the coordinators that he has this year, are very young and very, you know, energetic. So they're still, you know, getting their feet wet, essentially and understandable. But, Rob, this is a test and you've already kind of put it, you know, you've already kind of um, talked about the off the field implications as well. They definitely need to lose that and just kind of not think about that because mm-hmm. I feel like that just goes without saying, especially with a brand like LSU and, you know, how important of a job that really is and who would really want a job like that, you know, the access to what you could have. But I'm still rolling with LSU. Uh, I may uh, look like a uh, complete jackass later with that, <laughs> and, uh, just a homer, uh, homer. but um, – yeah, yeah. So the the viewers can get used to a few Homer picks every now and then. I'll throw in some insanity with some logic. Uh, just you know, just a, a whisper of insanity with uh, with the logic that I bring as well. I love it, man. I love it. Okay, well, sticking with the Homer theme, let's jump right into this next one because we've got a couple games that I really need to cover uh, as we try to squeeze all this in here. You know, we've got Oklahoma, West Virginia. This game is going to be played at Gaylord Memorial Stadium in Norman, Oklahoma. I I need to see more out of this Oklahoma team, man. This is a team that is undefeated, yet it feels like they lost. I have to keep, you know, I have to keep checking the schedule to see where the loss was. But there is no loss. They're 3-0. They're welcoming a West Virginia team in that is 2-1. It seems like uh, these guys play each other tightly, but when I check the record books, you know, it looks like this one's in favor of Oklahoma the spread is pretty significant here, Dylan. We've got it at plus 17. This line continues to move in favor of Oklahoma, which I find a little surprising. You know, what What are your thoughts here? Is this a game they cover easily, or is this something where we could see West Virginia potentially come in and pull the upset after doing so last week against the Virginia Tech team? All right. Well, sticking with the homer status, let's go ahead and – ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to go ahead and get this out of the way, and you have heard this directly from the horse's mouth. Do not bet on Oklahoma. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. L- ladies and gentlemen, don't do it. Because okay. if you do not have anxiety or depression mm-hmm. or anger issues mm-hmm. or resentment. Yeah, I have those. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, then you must have bet on Oklahoma at some yes. point in your life. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what I, okay. Well, Rob and I are, exe- are prime examples as to gaining said problems let's just call them problems (laughs) 
that that is what happens when you yes that is what happens because and it's terrible to watch even as a better and even more so as a fan because i mean there's just so much expectation so much potential so much unknown and that's the storyline year in and year out with oklahoma but then you watch oklahoma and it's more of the same and specifically now because they're coming in with quote unquote national championship aspirations. It's funny that you uh, mentioned as far as uh, what I think, as far as um, with Oklahoma, you know, from a fan perspective, I was texting my buddy earlier today and I just, um, I said to him exactly. I said, Rattler's still showing those QB one off the field issues. Okay. For those that don't understand that reference, uh, Netflix had a show a little while back called QB1, where they followed three highly touted quarterbacks just around for their senior season just to kind of just see how they all go about with their leadership and with their play. One of those was Spencer Rattler. This is the year that he got suspended for the playoffs and wasn't able to play for his senior year. All those reasons, there's been a variety of, you know, explanations and, you know, theories, but nothing ever really kind of just came down to what it really was. So, you know, no need to go into that. But it did show from time to time, and this is coming from someone who studies human behavior, you could definitely see a little bit of moments where you kind of cringe like, oh, man, did that really need to happen? Or you don't need to do that. Or... You know, you saw character, I don't want to say flaws, but you saw little hiccups as far as, you know, this doesn't look like a good light on you right now, man. And it it kind of just, I mean, because I didn't even notice it. I didn't even think it was even a deal. And I didn't even know about the show until my buddy texted me about it and told me to watch it. So I was like, all right, well, this is Oklahoma's incoming quarterback. He's the number one quarterback from Arizona. You know, he's basically the next in line, you know, so let's let's get a look at him and then you see him and you're like, OK, talent's there. A couple things I don't like, but talent's there. All right. Well, then this year you're kind of starting to see those issues start to unravel. So Oklahoma comes in this year, national championship aspirations. Spencer Rattler is not only a Heisman favorite. He's also a favorite to be not a top pick, the top pick for the projected, I would guess, Jacksonville Jaguars at this point. But we'll get into that. We'll get into oh, that no. with Stanley. Yeah, we'll get into that with Stanley. Oh, no, you know, that's another pod. Way, yeah, that is. That's another pod. We'll, we'll get into that with Stanley and uh, down the line. But he's he, but Rob, basically he's looking to be the top pick. So he's kind of coming in knowing essentially he's the man. Well, he had a little bit of that same kind of what more do I need coaching at that point? If you already have, you know, people pretty much saying that about you. Well, Lincoln Riley really doesn't give a damn who you are. He knows what he's made and he carries a brand himself. Now, he's elevated that brand with Oklahoma, but. You know, he's made his own quarterback. So that I'm not saying that there's any kind of in-house tension, but you can definitely kind of see with Spencer Rattler's play, be like, hey, man, instead of trying of winning the Heisman, which for those of you that don't understand that reference, instead of throwing the ball downfield, hey, man, check down. Like a seven-yard little check down can easily just be that 25-yard gain you're looking for 
except that running back gets yards after the catch. Don't have to throw the ball into double coverage down the field where you have wide open running backs and tight ends at the check down or at the either the line of scrimmage or within the 7 to 12 yard mark. So again, don't try to win the Heisman every single play, just get completions to move the ball and you're kind of starting to see that a little bit, especially this last game against Nebraska. And, you know, I, I loved your, your text while I looked down and just said, Oklahoma sucks. So, yes, ladies and gentlemen, that's what happens when you bet and or watch <sighs> Oklahoma with aspirations and goals, so to speak. And that's that's what happens. You don't need that kind of torment. But – you know, we kind of touched on it, you know, and again, you're starting to kind of see those character flaws, but I don't think it's really going to be too much of an issue altogether because o- Oklahoma focuses on what they call championship November. So they care about winning in November, which is the time that you definitely need to win. So, yeah. you know, right now they do have a bunch of talent. They do have a lot of, again, potential. We just don't know what this team is. With that being said, I know the game is against West Virginia, and they were the number one scoring defense with the Big 12 last year. That's with Oklahoma. And, again, you've already kind of touched on it. They usually play Oklahoma pretty tough. I'm still sticking with Oklahoma, just stick strictly from a talent perspective. Uh, at the end of the day, I always look at, when I look at a roster, which roster has more talented players than the other. You, Agreed, know, you can man. overcome You can overcome bad coaching. You can you can definitely overcome back coaching. Uh, it's just how bad of a coach is really you know dependent. But if again, if you have just a bunch of talented players on a roster, I feel like that should be the team that you should roll with. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. I think uh, I think Oklahoma wins this one. I think it might be close early. Uh, I think Nebraska proved that. I think that uh, West Virginia could give them some problems. I think Spencer Rattler, as you just pointed out, could get a little bit outside of structure. But if Lincoln Riley can kind of get him to focus on what the game plan is, I think they are the superior talented team. It's not even close. Uh, That spread is way too much for me. If you want to take a ton of money uh, and you want to blow it and you want to dump it onto the money line, go ahead. I'm not even looking at lines with Oklahoma yeah, games anywhere. Yeah. I don't even look at spreads with Oklahoma games. But, you know, if you're not an Oklahoma fan and you wanted and you wanted to play this game, you were just itching to play the Oklahoma-West Virginia game, I would take it. Honestly, I would put it on the plus 17. You're still going to get an Oklahoma win, but they're not going to cover that spread. They're the not. Has, you're right. Yeah, that line has come down. It opened up around 19 and a half, so obviously a lot of people uh, betting on that side. On the West Virginia side, they kind of want it to come back. But, you know, I, I, I wouldn't really touch it as far as the money line goes, you know. And, uh, yeah, man, I, th- I think everything you said pretty much covered it on West Virginia, Oklahoma. Interesting to see what the potential Heisman winning Spencer Rattler does in this one. Does he add to his resume or does he kind of, you know, fall short? Is this another Nebraska game? So interesting to see. I know you're running out of time here, Dylan. I want to touch on one last game with you. And it's not the one you think I'm going to pick. We kind of talked about A&M and Arkansas a little bit earlier, but I wanted to get your thoughts on Rutgers and Michigan. We have yet to discuss this at all. Jim Harbaugh, you know, what do we, what do we make of this guy? You know, is this, is this Michigan team for real? Is Greg Schiano going to come in here and ruin the party? And is it going to be the same song and dance? Michigan starts out hot, 
They choke down the stretch, and they're not where they need to be. Ohio State rules the conference. Or is this one where they get over the hump? The spread is huge. Don't get me wrong, but these teams are both 3-0 and in the big house. What do you think, Dylan? Uh, this is why you're such a great moderator because you, you, know, you know exactly the questions to, to ask the people oh, just yes. to start off the segment. That being said, not a Michigan hater at all. Okay. Not a Michigan hater, but I feel like the best thing that Rutgers ever has or their entire, I guess, existence is Greg Schiano. <laughs> yeah. Like, Greg Schiano literally never needs to leave that wow. school, and they wow. never need to let him go. Like, if he wanted to be the dean or, you know, just the president or just whatever, like, even, I mean, whatever, like, he, he's got a position at Rutgers University. I still feel like Michigan is definitely going to win because okay. anytime you have Jim Harbaugh talking about war veterans in his press conference, he oh feels my. like his, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's exactly oh why you asked that. Because you know, <laughs> anytime he references any type of war, any type of battle, so to say, Jim Harbaugh feels like his team's good. And he's yes. not saying it. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we understand cryptic messaging, but for our viewers, that's, uh, that is what that man, Jim Harbaugh, anytime he references battle war names or just all around just chaos, he feels like he's got some good in his life. Don't understand it, but he's got it. And he feels like his team is good. I feel like this is just another step to prove that they're good. If you were to tell me two years ago, it would be like, man, Jim Harbaugh just beat the hell out of Rutgers. It would just be like, well, he's supposed to beat the hell out of Rutgers. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, everyone's supposed to beat the hell out of Rutgers. But <laughs> that's not the case this year. You know, Rutgers is undefeated with Greg Schiano. Again, best thing to happen to Rutgers' existence is <laughs> Greg Schiano. But still, I, I feel like Michigan is still going to win. I feel like they, they have something to prove, not only just to themselves, but to pretty much to the media. The, as you said, the game's in the big house. That's over 100,000 people just screaming at you. It's mm. really – I mean, I get irritated just for, like, three people screaming at me, and that's yeah. just – you know, that's just, that's just me. It's, <laughs> that's over 100,000 people, man. And plus uh, – I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but Michigan actually has a pretty good offense too. Like they're um, they're third in the league with scoring, and um, right now they actually um, <clears throat> excuse me uh, they're running the ball pretty well. Like I believe they're like uh, one of the top t- uh, rushing teams in the country as well. So again, like Jim Harbaugh, he's <laughs> he's doing his thing. Uh, like you said, uh, I'm looking at the betting line right now with negative uh, twenty and. That's that seems about right. I can I can definitely see Michigan definitely winning by three scores in this game. Yeah. Again, I'm happy that Rutgers is at least coming at least a little bit back to relevancy. But you know, today's not the day to really make any kind of bold predictions about the Graciano led <laughs> Rutgers. Okay. Okay. I, I love it, man. I love it. I, you I'm sure excited? we can't get into the Texas Arkansas game? <sighs> you know what, man? We're we're gonna we are gonna get into that. Up oh, just got All an update. Right. LSU is up early, six nothing, seven nothing. Extra point is good, and it's looking good. It's looking good for us homers, baby. LSU on the board, seven nothing. Yeah, Dylan, let's touch Arkansas 
and A&M, man, because okay, yes. it's, I know you're dying to talk about this one. I had to get the Harbaugh thing in there uh, for the record. I took, <laughs> of course I took, you did. I took the points, baby. I, there's, there's, there's no amount of confidence in me that Michigan is going to cover. I don't care that they're 19th ranked and they're rolling. And uh, who have you beaten? And what have you done for me lately? Lately, Michigan has proven to me that year after year, they bamboozle me. Early on, I'm like, this is the squad. And then later on, I'm like, this was not the squad. So you know what, man? I'm sticking with that. I'm putting my money on Rutgers with the 20 and a half. I still think they lose probably by about two touchdowns. But we'll see. Let's jump into the ceiling. Arkansas, A&M, neutral field. What's going on here, man? Arkansas has come out on fire, pretty much shocking the nation, or at least us casuals like myself who don't know much about this program. You know, what do you see here? What do you like? And uh, what should we be looking for? Well, I don't really think you could really call it a neutral field. So, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, these these people are playing in Jerry World. <laughs> now, it's not Jerry World because okay. anybody can be named Jerry. Yeah, I mean. True. No, yeah, this is Jera. Jera. Like, yeah, this is Jera World. Like, okay. if y'all haven't seen the 92-acre country club that this man has built for the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, I saw whoever, it. Yeah, yeah. If, if anyone's got time, Google drone cowboy video and enjoy that three minutes of seeing what eight and nine or eight and eight is going to get you year in year. <laughs> like, oh my God, Rob, it's a Ritz Carlton, but oh, oh, I man, know. That, that, it's incredible. That, that, that's a discussion with Stanley yeah. on another pod. Side we'll note, side note. Yes. It gets you side note. Okay. So I feel like this is a little bit of a home game for Arkansas because again, Jarrah is, from Arkansas, won a national championship, did his whole thing. Take, you're right, man. Texas A&M is rolling. The reason that I like Arkansas in this game, we kind of touched on it earlier. The name is K.J. Jefferson, the captain quarterback. And the other name to remember is Kendall Bryles. I know the Bryles name probably has a lot of a stink still, but the son, not the dad, the son is a young kind of up-and-coming offensive-minded coach who is taking this quarterback and making him a dual-threat weapon. Mm. The reason I think that Texas A&M is going to struggle with that today is because when I saw Texas A&M play against Colorado two weeks to – I'm sorry, two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. Um, I saw that they had an issue with a dual-threat quarterback. The quarterback was yeah. not only the leading passer, he was the leading rusher. And I feel like Kendall Bryles is kind of – you know, kind of manipulate a little bit. So a little bit more run pass option, a little bit more screen game, you know, you know, get the ball out quick, taking some deep shots downfield when they need to be. And we got into it earlier, man. Sam Pittman has these players, coaches, fans, and administrative office believing. They believe in this man. They believe in this program. They believe in everything that he's doing. And his team will fight. Yeah, Doesn't matter the score, outcome, no matter what. They're going to continue to fight. So I feel like with it, A&M having probably one of the best, if not the best defensive line in college football with an aggressive mindset, that quarterback's going to have to make his leg or make his legs pretty much an X factor for Arkansas to pull away with the W, which I think he will. And I think, this is when everyone kind of sees like, hey, 
Arkansas is now in this conversation with, oh, great, another great SEC West team. (laughs) As if the world didn't need another good (laughs) SEC West team. We need more. (laughs) Speak for yourself. That is a hard conference in itself, and they're adding more. But I don't really know too much about the betting line. I was just about to look up for it, uh, but I was just excited about that game because of just the storyline and because what I think it's really nice for, again, it's for Arkansas. I mean, it's it's really hard not to root for Sam Pittman because how often do you see a head coach get a job because the players were in unison vouch for someone? Wow. That's that says something. Yeah, you're right. That Incredible. that says something. That yeah, like they got together and they were like, "This is the guy." And I mean, look what he's done. I mean, Rob, they won, they Rob, they lost twenty conference games in a row up until last year oh when they gosh. beat Mississippi, bro. And twenty games in the SEC losing. Yeah, yeah it's tough. Yeah, <laughs> they were. The Arkansas was the running joke of that conference for a while, man, a couple of years at least. They were losing to everybody. They were losing badly. You know, I feel for them, man. You know, coming to Georgia from Memphis and having lived there and seeing those obnoxious fans didn't do them any favors, you know, that's a different story. But, you know, you've got Bryce Mitchell. You've got Bill Clinton. You've got Jerry Jones. You know, you've got people from Arkansas that have kind of put that little place on the map. Uh, It's exciting to see that they're back. You know, it's exciting to see that they're 3-0. and Are they all the way back? We're going to find out today. But I haven't been this excited about Arkansas football since Darren McFadden and uh, uh, the right. other guy. I, I forget Felix his name. Felix Jones. Yeah, absolutely. Felix Jones. Felix Jones. Both you of Dallas' finest yeah, <laughs> from Jarrah yeah. World. <laughs> Dallas' <is laughs> finest. See, this is full circle. We're back in Dallas. So I couldn't tell if you were calling this a home game for Arkansas or a and M, but clearly it's got to be home game for. I mean, there'll be a bunch of A and M fans there. Got to be an A and M home game. I feel like it'll be a home game for Arkansas fans. It's because Jerry. It's again, it's Jerry's palace, and he at at the end of the day, he's Arkansas. Uh, We pulled up the yeah, we will see. I pulled up the betting line actually, so they got Texas A and M at negative four and a half with the over under of forty seven. So you know the time travelers are kind of expecting. You know, a little bit of a low-scoring game because, again, Texas A&M, they, they lost their quarterback, I think, week two or week one, like with a broken foot. So, though, you know, even though Jimbo Fisher is uh, tremendous at offense, you know, unfortunately and probably for good reasons, he, he can't and shouldn't play quarterback. And right. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, he can only do so much. So I feel like with Arkansas, they know their identity. They know their quarterback. They know what their quarterback can do. And I feel like he'll uh, – K.J. Jefferson specifically will be the X factor of this game. Okay. we have Well, that's – you know, we're definitely going to keep an eye on him, K.J. Jefferson. I do think – after a low-scoring A&M Colorado game, I think that's what's kind of has the the odds makers pumping the brakes on that uh, game total. Initially, I thought I liked the over, but I really like the Arkansas plus four. You know, being dogs in this situation, I think mm-hmm. it suits yes. them. They've been kind of underdogs this whole season. Nobody really expected too much. Um, that line was five and a half when it opened, Dylan. So the people have spoken. They agree with us. They think that Arkansas. Has a the chance. time travelers know. The time travelers know, man. It is uh, 
I'm excited. Gosh, I'm excited. Me too. It's, a, it's, it's another great slate. It's another great slate. Yeah. Uh, we've got we've got games all day long, Dylan. I appreciate you running through them with us. We could sit here and break down every single game. Your knowledge is uh, – it, it blows my mind, man. You are the Eugene of, of football podcasting. And for those who don't know who Eugene is, he's on The Walking Dead. Check it out. Great show. Uh, Dylan, that, that's, about, that's all I've got, man. I know you've got to run. I just want to say I appreciate your time, man. And, uh, you know, go Sooners. Boomer Sooner, baby. I really appreciate you taking the time, inviting me to do this. Again, I can't wait for more. Everyone have a very nice, safe day and go read a book. <laughs> Reading books, we will not, but we're going to watch plenty of football. Dylan, we'll talk to you next time. <laughs> All right. Have a great day, Rob. Later, man.